What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Mind Your Marketing. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. Today on the show, we have Fernanda Samson Gomez. She is the co-founder at Celso, which is a RTD Agua Fresca drink. I really liked hearing her story. She comes from Mexico City. She came to the US. She started this product and she's really pushing for, you know, representation of Latinas, also the LGBTQ community. And it was cool to hear just how she's navigating that, some of the success she's had, how she came up with the product and how she's sharing a little bit of home you know, with Agua Fresca in Mexico and sharing that with the U.S. market. So I enjoyed it. I think our story is very interesting and I think you'll like it as well. So before we get into that, though, this show is put on to you by Cave. We are an agency that helps CPG SaaS companies with their social media. So if you're having trouble with things like performance, creative managing accounts, or just social media content creation, execution strategy, head over to cavesocial.com. We'd love to chat and help you out. All right, now let's sit back, relax, and get into this episode. What's going on, Fernanda? How you doing? Hey, hey, Jordan. All good. All good. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So for those who don't know you, but just click the episode and they're either watching on YouTube or they're listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever, let's give them your story. So you've started a CPG RTD Agua Fresca company, but I want to hear the story of you. What made you start it? And walk me through a little bit of the journey of starting the company and where you're at today. Sure. Well, this is a how a Latina broke into this competitive beverage industry with the first ever elevated vitamin infused agua fresca in the market. So yes, I'm here on a mission to end the sacrifice of choosing between flavor and health when it comes to beverages. And, and all that started when I moved to the US five years ago. I was at that time in this journey of looking for what's my passion or of searching of, of something meaningful, something deeper in my life. I used to own an advertising agency back in Mexico City. And we will basically do, we will create experiences between a brand and a customer. So our focus was always creating emotions and experiences where people can interact with the brand and, you know, like get to know a new product, get to know a new message. So it was really fun. I've been always very focused on the creativity, on the connections, and I really enjoy that. But there was a point where I felt that what I was doing was great. It was a good business, but it wasn't necessarily meaningful to me. I knew that there was a path waiting for me and I decided to took it. So I quit my job and then I moved to the U.S. with my wife. My wife is from L.A. She's an early Uber employee. So she always had this like entrepreneurship in her blood, uh, this drive. And I was like, okay, I like this vibe. Okay, I, I will follow you. We moved to the US, to Austin. And I was in that search. I was in that path of trying to find that something that would make me feel that kind of success, but more meaningful success. So I decided to do an MBA in Macomb's business school. That was kind of my way to learn about the culture, to learn more about the language, about the business culture, trends, etc. And the funny thing is that while I was there, something that for sure I found out was tons of people drinking multiple beverages every single day. 
And it was funny to me because, no kidding, they were drinking at least five to 12 different beverages per day. Some people will start with coffee, some people will start with tea, and then they will jump to uh, soda and then some sparkling water. And then, but in total, we, it, it was like a constant consumption. And what I found out is that I want to consume as well, but I couldn't find my drink. I couldn't find that something that that actually I find flavor because I, I was trying the sodas and I was like, it's fine. I have some flavor here, but it's just too sugary. And the aftertaste was like sticky. It was, it was just, I was more thirsty after a soda. And then I would go into the sparkling waters with a hint of flavor, but I was like, this hint of flavor is just not enough. And it doesn't feel natural as well. And sometimes like the bubble was super strong and it just, I didn't feel comfortable with it. So that's when, when the search started more specific into what can I drink here? And that's when I realized I was missing a very specific product. I was missing a product from home and it was an agua fresca. And just so you know, so everybody knows an agua fresca, because I'm sure everybody knows, but I'll just share some about it. But basically an agua fresca is just water and then you squeeze a fresh fruit and then you sweeten it with something. So it's something that you can drink every day. There's no guilt about it because it's natural and it's something sustainable. There's no artificial stuff there. So it, it feels nice. The body really receives it as something nice and pleasant. So that's how everything started. I went to my kitchen. I mixed all these ingredients. I'm a big fan of the kitchen. One of my biggest passions is food, is flavors. I travel through flavors. It's, it's such a, an amazing journey. And it's also an amazing moment of creativity. When you're cooking, when you're mixing, when you are tasting these things, it's just like free dopamine. So I was in my kitchen and I decided to create these flavors. I went out and I gave it to try to, it was like almost 200 people between friends, family, neighbors. And I was like, what do you think? But like, be honest, like, don't be nice with me. I want to know if my baby's ugly, right? That's one of the most important lessons that you can have as an entrepreneur in an early stage is understanding if your baby's ugly or if your baby's pretty. So I want to make sure that what I was creating was actually tasteful, was actually pleasing for other people, different paladars, different cultures. And it was, and it was a great success. And they were like, we cannot allow you to not put this in the market. So that's how everything started. And that's how I created Celso. So you went from there and you know, you're doing the, you're the mad scientist in the kitchen, right? Making the drinks, going, and I got the visual. What was the next step? Did you have to go find a co-packer? Were you like, okay, I got the recipe? Like, and I ask this because I see that you have the creative background, right? The agency, okay, cooking, okay, creating the drink, this mixology kind of component to it. But now there's the operational side, right? That, okay, we got to get this thing canned, shelf-stable, all of that good stuff. What were some of those steps? Was it going and just meeting co-packers? Was it a lot of late night Googling? What were the steps that you took? Yes, yes to all that. I didn't have any CPG background and I had no idea where to start. This was a completely maze for me. And it's not just not knowing where to start, it's not even knowing the vocabulary of this industry. So I had to learn really fast. And what I started to do is I started doing a lot of Google, yes, and looking for more information, read more, start buying books. I start trying to attend more CPG events so I can 
having some idea of, of what was going on there. What kind of industry is this? But the crazy thing is that I had to do all that in a very short period of time. And that's when I start asking people. It's something that I really recommend is to ask, make questions, never be afraid to look dumb ever. And sometimes I even acknowledge that. It's like, hey, I'm going to make a very dumb question, but I need to know. And it, it's kind of when you already said that tone, the other person's like, oh, no, of course, I'm down to help. Like, there's no dumb question, right? And I start asking these dumb questions like, what's a co-packer, right? Once I know what I want to create, where and how can I have a formula to scale this business? And I start getting those answers and I start reaching out these different agencies that they could help me, an agency for making a formulation, the co-packer. I start reading different contracts. I start reading a lot about what to worry about when you work with a co-packer, what are the things that you have to look at. Everything was really from scratch. And there's something really interesting about not having a CPG background while I was starting this. And obviously there's the good things and there's the bad things, right? Like the bad things are pretty obvious. Like you you don't know where to start. You're potentially going to fail and you're going to commit mistakes and it's going to probably take you more time. So that's those sides were the obvious for me. But the positive things, which are the things that I try to focus more on, the positive things were I'm not biased in this industry, in this business. So I could be whoever I want to be and I could be as creative I want to be. It's basically for me, I was writing my own rules. And it wasn't necessarily something that I was visualizing like, oh, this is who I am right now and, and I'm super creative. It was more an survival instinct that I don't know what I don't know, but I'll figure out. And there's some things that would make more sense to me. There's some things that I prefer to not do. And, and then I start realizing about that when I start talking with people that they've been in this industry for 20 plus years. They know how to roll this game and the... But unfortunately, a lot of this has been kind of made by the book. There's a huge book of what to do, what not to do in CPG space. And a lot of these like very experienced people, of course, they have played by the book many years. They also have their own tactics, but it's always going back to the same line. When I realized that I didn't have that, that there was no such thing as a book for me. And like... The book is bullshit. Like I've, I've hung out with enough founders and everybody has like these books and I'm like, the playbook from 2007 is not going to work in 2023, right? Exactly. So I don't know. I think there's something interesting there. It's something so interesting because right now you see these emerging brands that they're playing a completely different new book and they're succeeding. Right, exactly. TikTok wasn't around seven years ago, right? So, or whatever, five years or whenever it came. Now, building off that, right? So you enter the market, you've got a new brand. Talk to me about one, what brand building activities or things that you have done maybe that have helped really, you know, get the product out there. Yeah. Is there anything in particular that's, you know, you've thrown a lot at the wall to see what's stuck, but what has stuck for you with getting the product out and building a brand? We have two very powerful things in Celso. Celso is a vibe. There's something sexy about Celso. The moment that we put Celso on the market, people are vibing around it. They like it. Is And those two things are flavor. Flavor is truly delicious. We have many reviews of people saying like, there's 
nothing like that in the market. It's really tasty. And then the other side is the representation in the story behind the brand. So these two factors, they've been really powerful for us because the moment that we put the product out there, our communities and people start connecting right away. And let me give you an example. We were doing a demo. Demo is the marketing tool that we have invest the most. And a lot of these demos, we have done it. I have done it myself, which has been an amazing experience because that's where you can actually see that your customer face-to-face and you can actually get real data about your product and about your concept and about your story because they're not going to lie to you because when we talk about products that you taste, you cannot fake a face, a reaction, and that's the beauty of this space. So when we're at the demos, we were kind of testing that and I'll give you an example. I was in one demo and there was a bunch of young Latinas. There was like a group And they approach us and they try the product and they get really excited, not just because the flavors were amazing. They felt represented by the product. But when they found out that I was the founder, they couldn't believe it. It was a moment where they started like screaming and hugging. They were like, this is amazing. Like seeing a Latina CEO in this industry that we know that is very male dominated it's so inspiring. And obviously they become customers and they are big fans in our social medias. And that's been kind of one of our tactics that we have used in, in marketing. To be honest, we haven't spent much money in marketing. The Celso has been the power of being very like mouth, word of mouth. And, uh, but I think a lot of that has because we've been very focused on the value creation through a branding, representation and content creation. The content creation that we, we have done it's been really kind of fun, simple. Like we're not trying to be a brand. We are a person. And that's the beauty of a startup because when you are in this early stage, you can be that person. Salsa can be, can have a personality, can have values, and we reinforce them all the time because we're very close to all those efforts and people are very close as well. So it's kind of a relationship kind of. Yeah, no, it is. They can build a relationship and get to know you as the founder and then see the product in behind this, right? Yes. And, or maybe out front now, right? Uh, that's one thing, too, I always am interested in is the founder story, right? And the push for things like that are all awesome, right? The Like representation, you're saying like, okay, people see you at the, the market and they're like, holy crap, you know, you're killing it. I'm a fan. But yeah. scaling that, Right. How do you, is it social media? Do you think is going to be the tool to at least, you know, scale that feeling? Maybe, maybe not to the same extent that you're able to do, you know, when you are sampling and they're meeting people. But is that where you want to go with regards to spreading the message, making sure, okay, hey, people see that there's LGBTQ, there's representation from Latin America. Is, is social going to be the avenue for that? Or are you thinking PR? Where, where do you want to go from that side of things? I think it's definitely a mix of different tools that they're always important for the marketing strategy standpoint. For us, definitely social media, it's been a huge channel where we're not just able to create content and put it out there, where we can also get some feedback right away, where we can test our content and the type of communication and messages that we're putting out there. Because customers, they have an opinion and we care a lot about that. And we just love that social media is like the perfect place 
where customers can give you that feedback almost right away and pretty honest and brutal feedback as well. Um, so, so social media is, is definitely a good place for us. I think it's a great place for any brand. The approach, the way we approach is, I think is a key part of this. And any brand will have a different approach to it depends on their personality or brand values. But for us, being personal in our communication, being real and being authentic, it's been one of the most important pillars in our communication, not just because that's a good strategy, but to be honest, we want to keep close to who we are because that's the authenticity that we celebrate in our customers so we cannot be something different. So definitely social media on all the channels there. PR is also really important, but we also try to back up that PR with real stuff, things that there are actually happening. We will never fake a review, but we'll never fake something like that. Like right. it is what it is. And we're at this time where where you cannot lie to your customers. People know. Oh, they'll find out. They know what's up. Exactly. <laughs> we're all detectives now. How have you found it to break through and really promote that representation? Has there been any instances or things where you've seen like, whoa, that was a roadblock we got through? Or, And it could be anything from somebody being like, we don't your brand's too small or your story doesn't fit the, you know, whatever publication we have or whatever, you know, excuse they have. Have you uh, seen any roadblocks that you've had to push through or have you found people to be pretty inviting and being like, whoa, this is new. This is awesome. What has your experience been both from a press side and from a retailer side? Oh my God, this is such a nice question because it's a, yeah, it's, it's, I have two answers to that is we do have encounter a lot of walls especially when we talk about target market some investors they still think that probably the latin market is not big enough which is one of the fastest growing purchasing power in the u.s right now we're in a, i think it's a 20 percent of the population in the u.s lgbtq is a fastest growing minority segment in the u.s as well they are 1.4 trillion spending power. If we go to a very, you know, a specific communities, but diversity in general, it's out there and it's, it can go from a, something really small, like I'm diversified because I have different opinions from my diversified because I'm from a different place, from a different culture. Like it's right. so diversity could be anything, right? But yeah, we've been struggling sometimes on embracing money for a women operate company. It's a thing that I didn't want to believe in the beginning because I didn't want to attribute anything to that. I want to make sure that we only focus on doing a good job, putting everything out there. And if it's a no, understand why it's a no, learn, update or change what it's needed to be changed and keep going and find the next opportunity. But sometimes I have realized that there's some, some sort of unconsciously mistrust to women that they own these companies. And it's unconsciously because it's like unconscious thought of proof that you're actually are capable to do this. That unfortunately doesn't always happen with males. So that's something that I have found out. I'll take it as a challenge as we need more investor, women investors taking decisions. We need more women in the executive decisions. We need more buyers that they are from the retail perspective. We need more buyers that they're women, that they could understand better, they can connect better with a product or with a women founding company. Because a lot of these 
for example, from the retail perspective, a lot of this mistrust comes from, okay, so if I take your product, are you going to be capable to have to keep the velocity in the store and keep the product moving and your marketing strategy is good enough and you're going to be able to keep raising money to keep backing up your company with capital so you can survive in my store, which makes a lot of sense. But it, it happens sometimes like that a little extra mistrust that I don't know if you're going to be capable to do it. And that's from the side that has been a little bit more challenging. But overall, and I and it's something that I celebrate hard, is this is a time of evolution for diversity and inclusion. And forget about being women or men. This inclusion is way more diverse than we think. And I really celebrate it because now there's a lot of retails that they are looking for these brands, that they are women-owned, Black-owned, Latin-owned. And, and it makes sense. And we've been having such a good experiences with that. Also from the customer side, so many people supporting that, so many people supporting minorities. We are becoming more and more conscious customers. I'm more conscious about my decision. I'm not just like a victim of the advertising. Right. I'm consciously doing my job on understanding who I'm buying this product from. And that's something that I really celebrate from people because we're becoming way more powerful and independent in our decisions. I love it. Yeah, it's peeling back the unconscious bias, right? When you're looking at investors, retailers, et cetera. And then it's interesting on the customer side too, because I'm with you. I think it's super powerful when you can come out and go, look, you know, this is, you know, Latina owned business. It's LGBTQ founder. Okay, great. But, and there's always the big, but the product's got to be great. Because all of that stuff is great for first purchase, but we've all had products before where the story's great. The co- you know the cover of the book's great, but the book itself ain't so great. And sometimes you know I just I see that with like certain products. So I always am like, okay, if the product's fantastic, let's put some fuel into this PR machine and let's get that story out there. But you see other times where people I'm like, you should probably go work on the product. So I'm glad that people. I'm glad you spent the time in the kitchen grinding, you know, putting it together and getting that uh, people were able to tell you that your baby's pretty, right? As you said at the start of the show. So I, I love that. <laughs> no, it's so good. I'm excited to uh, to see it pop up on more shelves as well. So Fernanda, for people who want to get some Celso, one, where can they do that? And then two, where should they connect or follow you all online? Yes, of course. So I highly invite everyone to give it a try to sell. So I promise you is probably one of the most delicious products in the market right now. Go to our e-commerce is sellsodrink.com and you can purchase there, have that experience. You're going to love it. And we're also in social media, Celso Drink. And yeah, you can find us there and have fun with all the stuff that we post and Life, it's right now, it's all about the present and life is happening right now. Choose to be happy and just choose to drink also and vive el momento. I love it. I love it. And I will put links to those in the show notes so you can go grab yourself some Celso, sit back, have some delicious agua fresca. Fernanda, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, Jordan. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode. I'm your host, Jordan Shelton. As always, my one ask for you, hit those little buttons at the bottom of your podcast app or on YouTube. That like, share, subscribe, that helps us out. And I will catch you next time. Mm